Sexual assault is a form of unimaginable abuse and unspeakable trauma. Unspeakable because trauma locked in our bodies energetically cannot be healed and released by speaking it out alone. This mum's own story of her determination to find a way to heal led her to discover modalities that worked for her and also how what felt like toxic poison was transformed into powerful paint that helped today's guest paint a whole new beginning and go on to create spaces for other women to access the healing power of creativity to begin their own healing process. Join me as I talk to Claire Taylor. Welcome to the Empower podcast for mums in business. We are women building a business we love while making a home for the ones we love more than anything. I'm your host, Nicola Hewlin. Join me as I talk to seemingly ordinary women just like me and you as they share their extraordinary stories and inspirational advice to bounce back even stronger from challenging times and thrive in business, motherhood and life. So I'm really excited to welcome today's guest to the show, Claire Taylor. Hi, Claire. Hi, Nick. You okay? I'm good. I I am really good. I am so excited to have you on the show. And um, excited is the key word. And I'm just going to, you and I were having a little chat before, weren't you? And I want to let the audience in on a little behind the scenes story where you reached out to me yesterday to say, do you still want to have the interview tomorrow? Because there's been a lot going on, hasn't there? And exciting. So I just wanted to share with the audience at the time that Claire and I are recording this, this feels like a really special milestone interview because the podcast actually went live on iTunes yesterday. And by the time I went to bed last night, well, by about 10 o'clock last night, we were number two in the iTunes business top shows. Oh my goodness. Holy moly was the, was the only words I could find on the, on the um, Facebook post. It was incredible because I, I remember thinking, do you know, charts, even if we got on the same page as these business greats like Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, uh, Gary Vee, um, Jay Shetty, that would be amazing. We're number two. We're above them. It's amazing. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. So you deserve it, Nick. It's it was a beautiful moment yesterday to see all of your hard work and women coming behind you to rally and celebrate what an amazing platform this is for everybody. Well, thank you, you know, thank you. And it is thanks to you, all the guests that come onto the show, the communities behind this, including, you know bounce um that we're collaborating with and chocolate pr it's all about team and it just shows what is possible when we all come together and um support each other it's amazing definitely and i think you know i was saying to you before that to have a platform that can actually you know give people the place to share the stories um and actually inspire others and give them hope 
um, whether it's that they've come through a difficult situation or whether they're in the midst of it, to have that hope and to know that you're not on your own, that others have been through it, that others do care, can literally be such a lifesaver for so many people. It really can. And you've just given me goosebumps. And that's exactly what today is about and and you coming on the show because i know you have an incredibly powerful um story to share with us today um what is your bounce back story coming back from tough times i'll hand over to you yeah oh, sorry george is just my son's just in here oh. hi george oh, <laughs> We love this. Lunch. <laughs> How old is George? George is 10 years old and he's going on a little bike ride with his friend today. So he's trying to pack himself um, a packed lunch to take. <laughs> Brilliant. I love that. Do you want us to pause so you can go and help George with his packed lunch? Is that lunch? okay? Just of course two it is. minutes. Of course. We're just going to hit pause, but I'm going to leave all this in because this is real. This is the reality <laughs> of being a mum in business, especially during lockdown. So I'm going to hit pause and we will be right back. And we're back. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Couldn't have that better, could we? <laughs> I love that. And thank you, George, <clears throat> sorry, for giving us just such a brilliant reminder. And it's like all everybody in our audience, uh, mums in business, is going to be able to relate to that. <laughs> How many of us have, have had the whole, whether it's a child or an animal or Amazon delivery these days, you know, it's, that's home life, working from home. It certainly you, is. We juggle it well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. So, um, my bounce back story. It's a very personal one, and this is actually the first time that I've publicly um, shared my bounce back. So it's um it's an emotional, but it's a. I think it's an important one to share for a lot of people that have um, been through similar. Um, so my story is that four years ago. Um, Prior to what had happened to me, I was working full-time as a teacher. I was happy. I was a very confident, sociable, outgoing kind of a person. Um, and then, unfortunately, fortunately, how it turned out, um, I was the survivor of sexual assault, um, which led to me being diagnosed with PTSD. Mm. And I'd gone from such a confident person to... Within weeks, my life shattered. Um, I was frightened to leave my home. I was frightened to be around people that loved me, that I was safe with. Um, everything went, everything. I couldn't work. I was off work for four months. Just, just to say everything went, it really did. Um, and at the time, it was one of those... I think when you go through something like that, you want hope. You want to, you want a quick fix, I think, at the time I wanted. I wanted somebody to say, in four weeks' time, you're going to be fixed. Because it's, it's a kind of event that changes who you are at the time. It can take away your self-esteem, your self-identity. You pretty much get lost and you don't know who you are anymore. Um, and I remember at the time Googling, how long does it take to recover? Which now I can look back and think, gosh, 
you can't set a time limit on it. But I wanted one. And unfortunately, a lot of the statistics that I found were not positive. Um, it was, I was reading a lot of, you had increased chances of being unemployed, um, relationship troubles, substance abuse. And I remember reading it and feeling so angry that there wasn't the hope there. When, when you search for the hope, it wasn't there. Um, it was... It was quite damning, I think, really, to read the likelihood of statistics of, you know, what can happen. Um, and, you know, I sat there and I thought, right, no, I'm not having that. That's, that's not going to happen. And I decided to fight back. I decided that I had a choice. I didn't have a choice in what I'd been through, but I very much had a choice in what could now happen for me. And I'll be honest, it was a long, long road to recovery. Um, I had to really fight to get the, the correct support, the correct therapy to help me manage my PTSD. Um, I had to try a lot of different things. Some worked, some didn't. And I remember at the time, sort of, I was advised to do a lot of meditation to help with panic attacks and things like that. And for me, that did not work well because it actually increased uh, the amount of flashbacks that I had, the amount of night terrors that I had. So I felt that I needed some way that was alternative for coping, that, that I wasn't finding anywhere else. And I just happened to come across painting, painting furniture. Um, and it was actually through, because the trauma that I'd been through had happened in my own home, it was kind of my fight back to reclaim my home as a safe space so I began to paint furniture for myself and actually it became it became my meditation it became my place that I could cry while I painted I could smile I would I would paint for hours I'd paint till two three o'clock in the morning sometimes until that the overwhelming feeling had passed I would paint and then it then started to become something that actually it started to give me more of my identity back. I realized that I could express myself in a really positive, healthy way instead of going down quite a self-destructive route, which I think can be quite a natural route to go down when you've been through that kind of a trauma. Um, and it was about going, no, there's actually some beautiful things inside me that I can bring down. And it started to give other people joy. I'd started to just sell bits of my furniture and I realized that actually through going through something that had broken me I was starting to actually find things that I never would have discovered if I hadn't been through that and at the time it was it was quite organic really how it all started to happen because I'd sort of got about a year down the line and I was grateful that I'd had the huge support network around me that was keeping me going um, through all of it. And I wanted to start giving something back a little bit. Even though I was still in the midst of recovering myself, I felt that part of my recovery, I didn't want it to just be about me. I wanted to actually start to reach out to support other people through whatever they had been. Um, and I ended up, I came across a mental health charity in Manchester um, who used creativity to support mental health and well-being. So as part of my sort of giving back to the community, I approached them and said, look, I don't know if I can help you, but if I can, I would love to do something for you. 
And it was meant to be a very selfless thing. It was meant to be just a, let me give something back as out of gratitude, really, for the, for the support I had. It ended up that they sort of employed me just on project basis to support and work with young people. Um, and it was through that experience that I thought, this is what I wish I'd been offered when I was really in the depths of, of the trauma that I was going through. Instead of, you know, here's some medication, go sit in a room for six weeks and talk to someone and then you're off on your own. It was that community spirit, that, that kind of net for somebody to fall back on when they're having a good or a bad day. Um, so from that, things started to kind of ricochet. I started to, how do I put it? Through PTSD is very much about fear having a huge impact on your thoughts, emotions and behaviours. And I wanted to start to get some kind of control over that fear. I wanted to start to use it in a positive way. Rather than avoiding things, I wanted to then go, okay, I'm going to start to do things that push me out of my comfort zone. That I do have that fear, but I actually interpret that fear in a really positive way. And I'm certainly not saying to sort of do things that frighten you that are in a dangerous way. It's in a those activities that, you know, that little seed of self-doubt that you have in you that go, oh, I'm not good enough. Or what if it goes wrong? What if I spill paint all over myself? What if I make a fool of myself? And it was those sort of things that I started to seek out to go, no, actually, I'm going to feel that fear. And if I'm feeling that fear, it's actually a sign that I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone and I'm growing. And that was a massively pivotal time for me because now I will interpret certain things and go, oh, I'm frightened of that. That's because I'm growing. That's because that's actually going to push me to be a best version of myself or to take my businesses forward. So now I'm, sounds ridiculous, I'm not frightened of fear anymore. <laughs> Ironic, isn't it? It's, it's a, do you know what? Yeah, that's a good thing. And I literally had, through doing that, I started to, because I was very authentic in the story that I've been through, and I didn't promote myself as the all-being, all-knowing, French painter or businesswoman. I, I do things business-wise and actually sit there and think, oh, gosh, I feel like a 40. I don't feel like a businesswoman. I'm a painter and I'm clear. I'm just me with a story. Um, and it was through actually being really authentic that so many different opportunities started to come my way because it helped to relax people into knowing who I am and why I do the things I do. And it actually started to help people to open up about their stories. Um, I think it was, it's, it's knowing that you are not alone. And I think the subject of the trauma that I went through, by its very nature, a lot of people don't open up. There's still an awful lot of stigma about how people perceive different things or that they, it's a difficult subject to, to talk about. It makes some people feel uncomfortable. It's hard for people that have survived that because there are no hard and fixed ways to recover from it. Everybody has their own different path. And I found that when, you know, there were certain events that I started to do that were quite public demonstrations. I was invited on Grand Designs Live to demo on stage. 
And when people actually saw me doing it, they said, gosh, you're so confident. And look what you do. Nothing scares you. And I'd say, actually, that's the complete opposite. So much does scare me. Um, but that for me, because I changed how I perceived fear, was my huge drive to do those things. You know, when I stood on that stage and looked out, there's, you know, a couple of hundred people watching me paint on stage. And I thought, yeah, actually, one year ago, I couldn't walk down my street. I couldn't see somebody I didn't know without being scared. But now look at what I'm doing because I am pushing myself and going, no, I'm, I'm not done with life. There is an awful lot more to come. So actually, it kind of started to help some people that I did open up to, to, to try to approach fear in a bit of a different way as well, um, which was, it, it was, for me, that was actually far more important than any successes or any you know major thing money wasn't the drive for me it was actually going reaching out to somebody and going there's more out there you're not done yet that you can actually have better life than you have before something that was awful so yeah that was that was my starting point i i then moved on to so i still have my furniture business um very much so i do a lot of my sales online um but it still felt like there was something missing. There was something more I wanted to give back. And it came from when, when I was reaching out for getting the correct treatment for my PTSD, I was quite shocked at how hard I had to fight for it. It wasn't an easy fix. It wasn't something that was, you know, help wasn't thrown at you. You had to go out and you had to really dig deep and fight to get the right support. And I think through having, you know, as a lone parent um, and having my son there and knowing that I wanted to give him a wonderful life was my huge drive for making sure that I didn't have a, a quick fix recovery, I had a proper one. And I dealt with the things that I've been through so that I could really move forward. And it was through fighting so hard for that therapy that I felt like there was a big gap there in the community. Um, so I started to look around, I started to network with other women who felt passionate about well-being and support in the same way I did. And I was lucky enough to meet my business partner, um, Callie, who is a very passionate mum in business as well. Um, and she wanted to do something to give back and to improve the lives of others in the community. And then within Gosh, I think it's about nine months of us meeting. We managed to secure a premises, which we call Make Me Matter Hub. Um, we're a CIC, community interest company. And we focus on um, very much where my roots are. My passion is using creativity to support others, to reduce isolation, to improve mental health and well-being. We have allotment gardens there. So we just, just before lockdown, we'd started um, a gardening volunteer group. We have volunteers that were starting to run their own classes there to empower them. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a hard slog. We've, we've had to bounce back quite a few times during that process. We had, we had four break-ins within the space of a few months. There was a lot of things that life threw at us that could have made us just run the other way and go, oh, can't do this. This is hard. But each time it happened, it actually made us more determined that what we could give back to others in terms of giving them hope and giving them self-esteem and realizing that they are seen, they are worthy, they have things to give back to others was, was far more important than the knocks that we were having.
so yeah that's where we are up to now (laughs) incredible audience I don't know how you're feeling from you know hearing Claire's story the first thing I want to do is thank you for sharing your story because it takes it takes great courage to share our personal stories and as you said at the beginning this is the first time that you're sharing your story so all I can do is start by saying a massive heartfelt thank you because the story that you've shared will touch anybody um, and I know that you know sadly that kind of trauma is something that impacts um, a lot of people uh, women um, of all ages all backgrounds in the world and often if it hasn't happened to us directly we will be aware of um, a friend or a family or a peer Mm -hmm. that something like that has happened to and and so we're we're all deeply touched by your story and thank you for your courage and we touched on this at the beginning when we started talking about it that everybody including yourself that comes on to share these stories it is with the hope of giving hope to others who who hear and you're so right there are so many difficult topics that we are broaching on this show really um and that takes a lot of courage and vulnerability so thank you and i have no doubt that your story of no longer fearing fear (laughs) is going to be so inspirational to so many people out there you you touched on the importance of the correct support you use that term and and really through listening to what you described that process of exploration and there there are things out there and some things worked and some things different didn't i'm i'm hearing that there are different options out there we have to fight quite hard for some of them but that everyone will be different and there's different modalities there is very much so and I think you know I it's for me my experiences with I I, it was about two years I think that I had therapy for in the end um I tried different ones I think my big advice to somebody would be to seek support from those that are actually experienced within that area because when you can have therapy through someone that has no experience of sexual assault, there can be certain things that they try out with you, certainly with regards to PTSD and the subject matter that it was, that actually set my recovery back quite significantly. And at the time you sort of go, well, they're a professional, so they know what they're doing. When actually, because they didn't have the experience within that particular realm, what they were advising was actually the opposite of what would help so I would certainly say to people you know to go through that kind of therapy is difficult it there's no ifs and buts about it it is challenging at times it's heartbreaking it really is difficult but be kind to yourself through that process and also trust your instinct on it if you feel that a particular therapy is not working for you is actually setting you back And I'm not saying, you know, after one week's worth, you know, you've got to persevere a little bit. But if you know in your heart that this is actually not the process that's right for you, then listen to that and seek out different ways. My my personal one that worked fantastically well for me was EMDR. 
and it changed everything for me. It was, it was brutal. It was hard. At times I sort of, you know, had to be kind to myself. I had to accept that, yes, that was a particularly difficult week's worth of sessions and actually give myself permission to feel that sometimes and to opt out and have a few days to recover or to block things out for a little bit if I had to. But through doing that and actually facing it head on, it's left me in a position that I, I can talk about things in such a different way now than I could do before because it no longer has that control over me. It, you know, some people will say to me, gosh, I bet you really wish that you could rewind time and that never happened to you. For me, a regret is not very useful because I can't rewind that time. But what I did want to do is to, I didn't want it to change me and make me into a bitter person full of anger. That was very much from the get-go. I was determined that wouldn't happen because naturally that's how you feel. But I actually wanted to come at it from a place of love and go, no, actually, I can use something that was horrendous at the time to actually give that love to other people. And that's how it's, it's how I flipped things because I wanted it to actually I think I always sort of think it's like turning, you know, that poison into something beautiful of going, no, that happened, but it's part of my life story and I accept it. I'm at peace with it and look at all of the things that I have managed to go on to do that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't have been through something so awful. Turning that that poison into paint. Let's talk about <laughs> yeah, paint and passion. <laughs> paint and passion. Let's talk about this power of painting. I love that. Tell us more. Obviously, there are these fundamental modalities that is important to. That's what I'm hearing. Seek out the specialist. That's a yeah. specialist in that area. Yeah. Then there is also this role of creativity. Tell yeah. me more about how you see creativity helping people in the incredible work that you do in your centre now. Oh, thank you. It's it's one of those that when we so we I started running the workshops through my painting my upcycling business. Um, so that's for people that start out on the same lines that I do and they want to learn. And the ones that we do at the centre are quite similar to be honest. It's a very non-pressured environment. It's, it's teaching people skills. But what ends up happening within those sessions is that people start to open up. Because I find sitting in a therapy counselling room in a box, sat facing somebody, can actually be really intimidating. Because you're sat there and going, okay, tell me how you feel today. Whereas naturally, when you're doing these creative sessions, people start to talk. You find some people are very quiet at first and it takes them a little while. We have some people that will come and go, oh my gosh, guess what happened this week? I need to vent. And because you're not sat there with that intensity of having to look at somebody and their, their head's down, they're creating things, so much more starts to come out. And then it starts to then empower some of the ladies that are there because they go, oh, actually, I could help you with this or I've been through this too. So that open conversation in such a non-pressured way is so healing for the person that is talking, but also those that then go, I can support you as well. You're not on your own. So it's that community basis of it. And we, you know, 
we found that as time sort of started to go on, because we'd only been doing it a few months um, prior to lockdown and things had started to really take off, we got funding from National Lottery and different other places. But some of our people that were attending said, I've got this skill actually, I could run a session. And to see someone, you know, we had one lady that had not been socializing with anybody but her family and her children at all for years, it was about 10 years there was a lot of social anxiety for her and she's just came out of a shell she'd come in with a hair done and a lipstick on and her whole demeanor changed because she knew she was valued she knew that she was seen for who she was it wasn't just the role of wife or just the role of mom she was being seen for her so that's so incredible and you have one center at the moment so what's it going to take that we need a center like this in every county by the sounds of it i think so yeah i'd love to it's it's one of those that once you actually realize you do not need to be a formal counselor to provide support and recovery for other people what you need is opportunities for people to celebrate who they are or to find a new skill and to make friends together because that's what we used to have years and years ago. Whereas it's become very isolated. isolated. People are, yeah. people don't reach out anymore. People don't get that face-to-face opportunity. And sometimes, you know, I love painting with my fingers and things like that. Because actually some of those activities take you right back to those feelings of childhood. Mm. And that tactile approach. So to have sentences like ours that are you know, come along, come and have a chat, drop in for a brain. And then people end up wanting to spend much more time there because it becomes a, a safe place for them. I think God, if we had them all over, we'd be in a much happier wouldn't, place. Wouldn't it be amazing? I, I know exactly what you mean about the power of community. So I've, I've lived in different countries, continents. And I remember when it was just me and my two children, and we had a period where we went and live in, my mum and dad had a little place down in the south of France, really tiny village. It's like going back a hundred years in time. There's no shops, just a bread van that comes around in the morning at 9am. And I wasn't sure how I'd be accepted. You know, there, mm. there weren't many foreigners living. It's a tiny village in south France. Um, the sense of community there was incredible. you know this going back a hundred years in time and it is something that's that's lost even if it's not in big cities you know even some of the smaller towns we're all commuting and working and kind of closed doors you know we come home and shut the front door and I could see the difference it made to my my children and Mm. being there alone with my children made a huge difference to me and and our quality of life and and how we were supported and Mm. I I can't begin to imagine the difference well I can through the stories that you've just shared I think it's incredible work you're doing we clearly need a center that would for, for the for the audience where where is it based we're UK? based in wigan in wigan, wigan. in greater manchester there you so go we're based so in matter cic we're on facebook um we are going to be launching because now things are starting to open up so we're allowed to have some gardening volunteers back in um so we're hoping to really grow that side i'm i'm quite clueless I'll be honest I'm going for eating veg but I've been going there over lockdown and um started our volunteers are teaching me so you do not need to have any knowledge you can just pop along help us out and 
actually make some friends and learn something. That's incredible. And also, you know, in terms of helping you out, if there are any investors out there listening, angel investors and, and philanthropists who want to get behind this and take this brilliant model and, and create more centers, get in touch. And Claire's details are going to be in the show notes. That would Claire, be amazing. We rely solely on funding from places. So we don't charge it's ever a tiny amount on some of the activities, but everything is funded. So yes, amazing. Please. Do you have a Do you have a just giving page or anything like that? that we, we do. Include? Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, we set one up after we'd had all of the break-ins, and oh, it was wonderful to see how many people had helped support us just to improve security. Um, but I can certainly share the information with you. Well, I will be. Um, I remember that. I remember your post and um, that the donations at the time for looking at security systems or fixing what had been broken and replacing what had been sadly stolen um now you're in a better fitting this just giving can go to you know building on top of what what you've now got in place so we'll put the link in the show notes it would be wonderful that we're able to help you um raise some some of the funds towards your incredible work you've already given so much practical advice and words of wisdom through what you've shared and as we're coming towards the end of the interview, I could, I could just sit here and, and <laughs> talk with you forever. But I'm going to ask you to wrap up with what we call your bounce back invitation. So either a question for our audience to reflect on as part of their bounce back journey or a challenge you'd like to set them. What's your bounce back invitation? I bet you can guess what mine's going to be focused on, don't you? <laughs> Is it going to be about... Well, fear or painting? Fear. I'm going to fear all the way because it might be painting, it might be anyway. I invite people to sit down and think about what they are frightened of, whether it be in business or in their personal life. And I challenge you to face that fear a little bit and actually set yourself a little goal Think of something that you would like to do, but terrifies you safely. (laughs) Um, And I want you to have a go at doing it because to change your perception on fear and see it as something as personal growth. And I would love to hear if anybody does that, how they then felt afterwards and whether that's something that they would take forward incredible and you absolutely they can share we have a hashtag bounce back stronger where people can share what's come up for them around the challenge around um listening to the conversation today and i love that and yes of course the caveat to the challenge make it safe safe and legal is always good yeah yeah just no, no, I don't want that on my head from anyone. <laughs> something safe, but something that pushes you out of your personal comfort zone. Brilliant challenge. So important. And we've all got stuff that we, um, uh, it fears a spectrum, isn't it? And we can just, mm. maybe there's just a little bit of a niggle, a doubt. And so we procrastinate and go off and do other stuff. Sometimes it's the full-blown, uh, you know, panic attacks and anxiety. Mm-hmm. There is a spectrum. I love that challenge. I'm going to be mm-hmm. having to think about that for myself after the show. Fantastic. Claire thank you so much again for sharing your incredible story and it just remains for me to say goodbye for now (laughs) to the audience and um, we look forward to 
hearing everybody's feedback on the Bounce Back Stronger and catching you on the next episode. Thank you, Claire. My pleasure, Nicola. Thank you for listening to the Empower podcast for mums in business. And thanks goes to our podcast series sponsors, Bounce Life, insurance to protect you, your business and your family. To get your free startup and business growth kickstart guide and to find out about our Empower community, go to empower.global.